Welcome to Snakes and Otters, a pointless discussion of eternal questions. Get ready, we're about to live in your head rent-free. Hello, Otterites. This is episode 188. I am Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. All right, gentlemen, we are here in Studio R in the atrium over here at my place. And uh, we are joined today by not just Martin, er, Martin and Francis and, of course, Robert sitting in the captain's chair, but by Middle Spawn's child. Nemo the dog. <coughs> yes, make sure that you mention he is a canine. Yes, right. yes he is, as uh, uh, the middle spawn puts it, my grand dog. Which, of course, makes Martin want to choke. As much as I love the puppers, you own a dog. <laughs> How lewd. <coughs> okay. That's right. Or middle spawn owns a dog, and you are... Yeah, that dog owns her. You are dog-sitting. So, yes, hi, Nemo. He's uh, sitting here with me and... Uh, Staring at me, of course. Hanging yes. out. So, yes. But he's in the chair with yes. me. Nemo is a bagel, part basset, part beagle. And uh, he's, a, he's a good dog. He's a, he's a very cuddly animal. He's very friendly. He's, in many ways, the very opposite of Bosco. Bosco does not like to cuddle. <laughs> and of course, Martin is trying his best to get Nemo into Francis's lap. I'm trying to get him to just jump from chair to chair, but no, he wants to jump down. He wants to get no. down. Yes. So today, uh, so we've, uh, we've uh, totally derailed where we were going already. Thirty seconds into the show, yeah. uh, today is Captain's Code of prerogative. Honor. Captain's prerogative. It is Code of Honor. Uh, you know, it is the second episode of the month, and. We have reserved this second episode of the month for Code of Honor because it's the one we like to do the most, I think. Yeah, it's the favorite. Uh, so it, it really is. Do not get folded in anywhere, or uh, nothing got folded in with it exactly. uh, when we restructured. So, last uh, last episode, not last week, last episode we did George Washington, mm-hmm. the father of our country, and talked about the greatness that he really was. Right. Uh, seminal figure, not just in American history, but world history. Yes. Martin is of the opinion he is the... Shining star. Shining star, yes. He is the pivotal figure of the last 2,000 years. That's hard to argue with. I'm sure many could, but we will not, because I think we agree. If he's not the pivotal, he's certainly top three. Not just... You know, there are lots of important people, but... He shepherded a unique governmental experiment into existence. Yes, he, with very he, little precedent. Yeah, won a war and then led that nation as a civilian uh, afterwards. Well, Pretty incredible. A, a worthwhile experiment. Let's let's yes. we should qualify that. You know, because any experiment can be made to happen. It's a Nazism was an experiment for goodness' yes. sakes, but uh, a very not only. Enduring, but worthwhile uh, right. moral approach right. of, yes. of, of yes. Uh, a system of government that has withstood a great deal of time yes. and not no small yes. amount of crap. Much of human history is grasping for a moral way to govern what humans are. Yeah, to live together in, yes. in peace. That's correct. And Washington achieved it. Yes, exactly. Unlike, unlike anyone else, really, in a way, it's unlike anyone else. Well, Bonaparte certainly didn't. I mean, he, he certainly attempted, but uh, he's, he's an easy example. Yeah. And there are others. Well, yes. Uh, I didn't catch all that. I had to step away because Bosco, as you may have heard on the recording, was barking. 
Even though he was facing the house, by the time I got over to that door to let him in, he was facing the backyard and was guarding something. <laughs> guarding against something and now won't come in. Because he's an a-hole sometimes. Oh, he saw he said the word. He said, stop it. saying the word. Stop saying the word. So, anyways. So, yes, we're doing George Washington. <clears throat> his quotes. And uh, as is the normal pattern, one of these fine gentlemen uh, sitting before me will go first. Then the other will go. Then we'll have a bourbon break. And then I will attempt to hammer the points home into a cohesive, if not always intelligible whole. Or being substantially influenced, one, by a full belly. Yes. And two, by a, a nice big shot of bourbon. Yes. It's a bit more than a shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so, but we ended the last... Uh, uh, actually, well, we didn't end the episode, but in the post-episode discussion... Yes, yes. We were talking about something that... Francis thought we should pick up on a little bit before we pick up with the quotes. Yes, if, if you listened to the last episode, I used the term marble man a lot. And Robert's not a fan of that term. And I, and, it, and we kind of come at, came with a little discussion realizing we don't mean the same thing with that. Right, which I didn't think we did. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And it's, uh, uh, But it, uh, it's one of those euphemisms that perhaps deserves a little bit of expounding upon. And... I'm, when I use the term marble man, I mean that as a high ideal, as someone who is, who would have a marble statue of them placed out for everyone to see because, to kind of explain this individual is greater than most everyone else. He achieved more. He was more. I don't think, actually achieve is not even a thing. It's really more about his, ide- idyllically speaking, he is worthy of emulation. To me, that's what Marvel Man means. Yes. And uh, it was, that's kind of an don't original. Put, that's the intention. You yeah. know, an originalism to it. Over time, though, that became more to be understood as a term of disparagement because we, we stopped idolizing people. Right. Jefferson's the prime example, because yeah. uh, that's where we talked about it initially. That's right. Used in reference to him. Right. Um, and to me, the I, I object to the to the term only because I don't care for the usage. I understand how you use it, and yeah. I absolutely agree. He is an ideal we, that uh, we can all aspire to, especially uh, even though nobody can ever come close to those achievements, because uh, it's just a unique situation. He wouldn't call people names on Twitter. Very much so. No, that's very, very much so. That's very true. Uh, but to me, the the Marble Man just it, to me it just conjured images of uh, something cold and inflexible, uh, hard and harsh, and uh, just yeah, you know, don't see him that way, and you know, and, and no, no, yeah, should we? Yes, and should we? Yes, yes. And I understand you don't, but uh, it it became, I think, most commonly associated with Robert E. Lee. Correct. Both, That's not my intention. By you know, any both means. pre-war and post-war, he was seen as the Marble Man because, of course, I think very famously had no demerits while at the academy. So right. he was seen as this distant, aloof, better than all of us person. And then after the war, of course, it all became associated with the the lost cause myth and all of this. That uh, you know, he he was greater than all of us. Our loss was not his fault, and. Uh, all that business. Right. So, yeah, it's hard to overcome that connotation that has really yes. no relationship well, with my usage. But It, it, it also, it's, uh, it, I think it tends to a, uh, uh, 
because of people yeah. like Lee, yeah. uh, a form of hero worship that is dangerous. Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, but it's just interesting, you know, again, as many things with us, you know, one side little comment and, you know, three hours later, <laughs> well, we hashed it out. It's <laughs> that clear thing that you always say, context matters. Yes, and, yes. And Marble Man has become one of those terms that has differing context oh, very depending much so. on who you say it to. That's right. Yeah, or, or, It, it, it know, can so be a term of derision or of worship. Yeah, it is uh, very and, difficult. Yeah, or admiration or uh, or yeah. aloofness. I mean, all of those can be used. Yeah. Yes. And yet, in depending on your usage, may not be. Yes, very much. As, so. as we all illustrated here. So I think there's an, agree- an agreement not to use the term anymore. Because it just means means too many different things. Well, yeah, the way we way we are so freewheeling, freewheeling. I only had three bourbons so far. That's right. The way we are so freewheeling in our discussions, I don't think we can guarantee that that something won't be said. We can't even keep the f bombs off the show. Right. It works for me in so many ways at times. And yes. now, granted, we don't always talk about those individuals that were, to which it would apply. Right. But, I don't think we've ever used the term on the show before. Uh, that is very possible. That is very possible. Yeah. Uh, it's not something that I like to bandy about because very few, as I've defined the term, achieve that level. Yeah. Uh, of course, we can also talk about the fact that they don't. You know, that's, I suppose, a possibility. But, uh, uh, no, I'm not one for banning words. I'm not. Uh, okay, that's that is a fair point. Fair point. Exactly. Did you need uh, no, no, need no, another I'm, ball? Uh, no, no, no. I'm, 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 I'm good with with what I've got here now. I may slip out uh, at some point while Martin is prognosticating and proliferating and getting a couple of pieces of ice for my, uh, for my. Yes, brain. I meant a sphere of ice. I have made uh, these uh, uh, ice balls. That I, that's what I was referring to. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Oh, if you have more, I'll probably... Will. Yes, I, I, I made so, yes. enough so we each would have two for, oh, well, for then, a day. At some point, while Martin is going on they, and on they, and on, you will definitely. I will slide out and, and, and add. Yeah. So. Yes, the ice spheres work wonderfully. I, I love them. They remind me of the planet Hoth. Yes. Oh, yes. yes I understand that. Yes, the, fro- the frozen ice ball that was Hoth. Um, so, so a little Hoth in your drink? Yes, so it's, it works great. So... Uh, so who's going first? Yeah, there you go. He right. is. Yes, yeah, that way first. you can slip out and get your ball. Exactly. Of yes. ice. Uh-huh. Of ice, that's correct. All right. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> How many have you had? <laughs> All right, so my Washington quote, Be Americans. Let there be no sectionalism, no north, south, east, or west. You are all dependent on one another and should be one in union. In one word, be a nation. Be Americans and be true to yourselves. Considering what happened after he left the stage, this is, uh, you know, some amazing stuff, I think. Yeah. Some very, very forward thinking, uh, you know, another thing in his cap that he didn't just think about the past. He thought about what would be important for the nation's future. Right. And, you know, as we said in the last episode, we talked about how he drew on his experience. You know, it was certainly very easy for him to see the factions that exist in every country. Yeah. And he probably didn't really expect that there wouldn't become political parties or anything like that. Because they had already begun 
while he was yeah. in office, but they didn't really take off until after him because I think nobody really wanted to while he was there. Well, yeah. factionalization is a reality that was something right. he probably uh, anticipated. Exactly, I think that's point. kind of the point I mean, of this. In English history, it was everywhere. I mean, that was well, how it was. Everywhere, worked. it's everywhere. Well, exactly, but that was his. That was his immediate window. Right, and, and you may have missed that. So I was saying, you know, he, you know, it's certainly easy for him to see that in Great Britain and Europe and everywhere, these things will happen. But I think the important thing to remember is to guard against it. Yeah. To remember that. We are fellow Americans. You know, we are not just from Kentucky and from Ohio. Well, we can hate the people in Ohio, but that's a different thing. That's my Michigan. Michigan's kind of... Yeah, I was going to say your Michigan Um, background coming in. But, you know, we're we're not just from individual states or even our individual cities and towns and, you know, little villages. Mm -hmm. You know, there is a higher group that we are meant to call ourselves because only united can we do great things. Not the least of which was defeating the greatest military power in the world at the time to achieve our independence. Well, it's, it's working against tribalism, essentially, is what it is. Right. And, and there's nothing wrong with tribes in and of themselves. It's the... They're all inherent. It's putting actually. them in, at loggerheads against one another. Because by the end of the revolution, the, the, colon, the colonies, and for the most part, I would say most of the people in them, were relatively united. Mm-hmm. You know, not as much in the beginning. We talked about this in the last episode. You know, the, the Tories uh, faded. Uh, especially, they just were not as well treated by the British as, you know, Americans were by the own Continental Army. Uh, and I think that probably was no small factor in that. And, and once it was seen as inevitable, of course, yeah. the, the rest bowed to reality. Well, no guillotine. Right. And there, we also had no guillotine. There's yes. no, there was no revenge. Yes. Uh, on those who had remained loyal. Well, they were... there was some tarring and feathering that happened on occasion, but those are usually done for those who were who stepped outside the social order. Well, I was going to say, that's for the, the local guy who was an a-hole. Well, yeah, that's correct. I mean, you had to you had to work really hard to reach yourself to that point. Yes. Uh, you, they didn't like you otherwise. Pretty much, yeah. yes. Which, you know, I'm not condoning it, but... Yeah. You know, that's that's that is it's a factor in the nation's early survival... In that there wasn't a big revenge parade. There's there's not ten thousand people run through the guillotine, right? You know that uh, which that yeah. women don't are having their survival. hair shaved and paraded in shame. Yeah, uh, I mean stuff was, like that. It was a factor in our survival that was like, hey, you know, we we're separate from Britain now. We know you were stayed loyal. What do you want to do? Yeah, and, and people that's okay. Well, cool. Well, you know, we did the same thing in the Civil War. In the aftermath. Yeah. There was very little revenge. I mean, there's there's obviously some. It was, uh, yeah. it was always a personal thing, though. Yes, not it a was corporate a, thing. Right. It was a personal thing. It was very rarely... It might have been a corporate thing in, in the sense it, of... It, it small took, groups, it, sure. It, it groups. took a lot of political will to even just, like, imprison Jefferson Davis. Right. You know, uh, you know Nathan Bedford Forrest was never tried for war crimes. Right. I mean, we, we let them go home. That's right. The, the con- well, even the concept of war crimes hadn't right. even been invented. Confederate yet. generals served in Congress. Yeah. Eventually. Yeah. So. Go home. Right. It's we are over. all Americans. This is the point. We are all Americans. Now go home and be an American. Yeah. Just like, here's, just like know, he said. Washington coming out with that statement. You know, the, the only way this works is if we're united. You know what? That sentiment, whether it's intentional or whether it just somehow got bred into our psyche, it is how Americans respond to a crisis. 
Look at 9-11. We were never more unified as a country in my lifetime than we were on 9-12. Hmm. And that's a very Washingtonian thing? In many ways, but not entirely, because I think Washington would have said, well, why aren't you, why weren't you united on 9-10? Why did it take 9-11? Yeah. But, you know, that, again, that's the ideal. Mm -hmm. He has offered us the ideal. Be that. Work for it. That's right. And he he, he was committed to the idea. That's how he could speak so, so lovingly and so, uh, uh, perfectly on that is uh, absolutely is that it was a thing for him it was an absolute uh it didn't always be that way it wasn't always that way to others factionalization tribalism whatever you want to call it is still bred into our bone yes and that's and it's this because in many respects washington is speaking of something that is anti-evolutionary from where we came from this this concept of a national unity a unity on a scale that great is it's inconceivable to that inside of us that worries about the other across the river that may come to try to take stuff from us. It's well, a mark of civilization that we can think this way. What's interesting is how he phrases it, and I think this is the important part. He doesn't say, be the United States of America. He doesn't say, be the country. He says, be Americans. Yeah. Be the people of the country, be united as members, as citizens of the country. He's speaking of a, a, politi- a political ethnicity. Not, no, not even political. I think it's it's yeah. more of a social in nature. Okay, yeah. Um, in, in a way, he's trying to help define the American social contract. It's yeah. a very strong endorsement of the notion that power flows from the people. Yes, yes, I would say that's a Which is also, I think again, it's it's yes. very, very unique you know, uh, attitude uh, for the time. You know, that's, that's power funny. isn't coming from from the higher some uh, god moist tart who lobs a scimitar. Right, at right, that's right. right. <laughs> it's you know the political authority that we have as a government exists solely because the people grant us that power. So his quotation and, is a political statement. Yes, well, less less than a that less than a social one. Meaning, meaning no, it's, we are it's, all one people. We are all it's both. Yeah, I'm not necessarily. Yeah, I knew this was coming. Uh, I'm, I'm not necessarily trying to put the two against each other, but I'm trying to think: is it what? What was his intention? I don't know that we can say. I, well, yeah, I don't know that we can yeah. say. But uh, by the words, I, you know, I, I can I can agree that yes, there it is a two part thing. But because he's talking about the individuals at the citizen level yeah. aspiring to an ideal, to me that comes off as far less political. Uh, but I can also see where he might also include it as uh, the political because he wasn't for parties. Yeah, he's not asking us to be subservient to the state. Oh, God, no, no. That's correct. No. But he wants us to be united to this American ideal, whatever that ideal how are you going to define it because everybody's going to define it i think that's exactly the point how we all define it what that common ground that we exist that's part of the problem is that you don't all define it the same that's right but i think that's what he's he's urging us towards that's what he's striving is create your common ground you're you're more alike than you think that's exactly Mm -hmm. it you have far more in common than you have different lean into that don't let sectionalism or factionalism 
pull you apart. You you are one people. Sectionalism, one. not sexualism. Sectionalism is in the court. That's correct. I, it almost no, sounded like sexualism. Let there be no sexualism. That's another issue. Well, that's because of my yeah. pronunciation after two bourbons. Let's say the same Yes, he, he's, he's warning against sectionalism. He's warning against these divisions that, again, he's able to reach across and hold everything together. But he he's very mindful of the mercantile drive of Hamilton and New York in the Northeast versus this pastoral ideal agrarian. Of, of agrarian ideal of Jefferson and Virginia and all that. Again, the, the, our, our, our history lessons for a good, I mean, it's a good thing tend to view the colonies all alike. But they weren't. Oh, they were no, yeah, really, that, yeah, that is really a, that is a mistake on our part. Well, yeah, Socially well, and economically, which fed each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- th- these places were not alike. And well, which they, comes to a head in the Civil War. Yeah. It's essentially agrarian versus industrial, north versus south, which, yeah. just, which, which is a happenstance of geography. Yeah, I mean, trade versus insulation. Rural versus urban. Yeah. I mean, it's all... Uh, but it's free versus slave. Well, yeah. that's correct. All of the above were... Those divisions were, artic- were very distinct... Uh, geographically speaking, which is why we you could have a civil war like we had it, because you had the proximity with your neighbors to create a cohesive whole in the South yeah. and the North as well. Yeah. But it, which is know, not the, something that yeah. it, you know, civil wars. You know, if we're ever going to have any future ones, and I'm not so sure we're not having some now, uh, they don't work that way because there is not a geographic basis for them. Uh, there's a little bit of one because, uh, yeah. po- politically speaking, the the West Coast and the East Coast are very of like mind, and the rest of the country, flyover country, flyover country. I hate that word, but for the right reasons, that's exactly yeah. right. Uh, think differently, and it's it's not it, it's it may have stemmed from those divisions back in there, but they're really not those well, divisions. Yeah, it, it's it's the same urban versus different. rural. Yes, yeah, but, but it's it's the economic basis. Feeding the social conditions, you know, when you're a a trading area because you have that port, that tends to influence your social structures in a certain way. That's less insular. When you yes, are, you're exposed to more. Right. Yeah. 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 But when you're strictly growing tobacco, cotton in North Carolina, you know, yeah, that's all you got. Georgia. Then there's only one thing you're trading, and that's the only interest that state has or that region has. And that stuff, I mean, it was a source of friction, and it bled into everything. It bled into the foreign relations because you talk about this time is also again this. What do we do about France? You know, um, there are buddies, but. Washington and Hamilton and Adams are like, let's not get dragged into this. They're not, their revolution is not the same as ours. Whereas Jefferson and some of the other Virginians were like, we need to be jumping on this, guys. These are our buddies. This is egalite, fraternity. Liberty. Uh, liberty, you know, we're, we're in with this. And Washington's like, 
we cannot get tied into this yeah. again. There's some philosophical... We're, we're not ready to go back to war. Let's just... We'll thank the French, but we're going to stand aside. Right. And at the same well, time, Hamilton's going, look, the only way we survive is if we reestablish trade with Britain. And so all this is, all these sectional things are, are causing friction and a distortion even of our foreign policy. Which ultimately led, led to the War of 1812 in many respects. Yeah. Yeah. So, but there's even in well, the Well, Napoleon had no small part of that. Well, that's you correct. Know, that's right. Well, but, you know, but he, he upended some things that yeah. could have, you know, yes. could have been differently. Yes. But there's, uh, you know, Jefferson had a bunch of, like, trade restrictions with Britain that nearly sank New England. You know, they, they had no money coming in. And that that was very nearly another thing that just completely splintered the whole country. So It goes back to the movie The Patriot, one of my favorite, uh, favorite scenes between two awesome actors. You remember the actor that played uh, uh, Cornwallis, uh, Tom Wilkinson, uh, is yeah. having a conversation... With uh, uh, Tarleton, played by Jason Isaacs, yeah. and they had the and and of course he is based on Benister Tarleton, the uh, uh, the partisan fighter in North Carolina. Uh, they, they changed his name, John Tavington, but he, they have a conversation saying, "No, Cornwallis says no. You're not going to treat these people this way because when we are done, we are going to reestablish trading with them." Cornwallis had the idea that you know this is bigger than you guys. We don't. These are our people. These are us. Right. We shouldn't be doing this really at all. He had the in, in that respect. Yeah. How much of it was truly a driving force in reality? I don't know. But that's the same opinion that Washington had. That's right. You know, you we, know? we should we should work for peace so we can get back to business and trade with these people and raise all of our qualities of standards yes. of life. You know, we all benefit when we do this. Yes, as he saw. Us as them. That's right. And then, you know, as Lincoln said, when will they understand? It is all, all our territory. In, in, in many respects, and, and not to put a uh, a financial or mercantilist spin as the ultimate driving goal for all of these things, because it's much more complex than that. But it is a factor. Yes. And, yeah. oh, yeah. and in many respects, that's what we're all working to get back to in this. Well. You know, to me, uh, I'm leading the jury here in a little bit. Is. I'm sorry. I'll, you'll you'll become. More clear when I get to my quote in a minute. To me, you know, it just the whole idea, which again, to me, it's it's it is the ultimate ideal. It's the thing that frustrates probably most people about politics today, is that inability to just be Americans. Yeah, and that has bled over into the social. Mm-hmm. We cannot just be Americans anymore. Only when we are threatened from the outside do exactly. we do that well. Only in the midst of an existential threat. Right. And on nine twelve, that appeared to be an absolutely it was threat. very much so. Yeah. Um, um, so you know, it's again, it's a great ideal. It's one of those things I don't think we can ever live up to. But it's that thing we should always return to when we come to our senses. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. And that's part of the problem is we have yet to come to our senses often enough to return to it to really make the country as great as it could be. Well, yeah, exactly. If we recognize there is a win-win scenario in all cases. There always is. If we hunt for that and find for that and are okay with that, but greed, unfortunately, I think that's that's the, the greed underli- of in whatever piece. form, whether it's monetary or not. Yes, yeah, right. Matter. Some, some form of greed. greed for power. That's right. Uh, ultimately, is what is uh, is that the downfall yes. of us working together? Yes. Everybody nowadays, whether it's socially or politically, thinks they are Ulysses Grant because all they want is unconditional surrender. Well, that's right. Well, or Bella Oxmix, hey, i got to be the unity. Same you know, thing. Same thing. It's same exactly thing. the same yeah. thing. That's right. 
So, I think we're ready for Francis to go. All right, yes. I, uh, when I read this quote, you'll kind of get where I was going at a second ago. This is a, a new subject, totally new subject. Uh, but it's one that we have not really, I don't think, addressed hard, straight, fast on. And it's it's something that's very near and dear to me. I've been giving a lot of thought uh, to this in recent years. Uh, and it's something that I realize this is our, if, if mankind, humankind is ever to truly have a downfall, it is this. It is we cannot stop doing this. And Washington, wisely so from all of his perspective, understood this because he, he lived it. But, and it's a very simple and brief quote, and I'll give you my first wish. My first wish is to see this plague of mankind, war, banished from the earth. I truly see that is what has always held us back. We simply cannot get along. Now, you can take that war into the political arena, into the military arena, into the social arena, into the, you know, you take it where you want to. Uh, war, and it's kind of very anti-Clausewitz. You know, war is a continuation of politics by other means. Uh, he's speaking of the military presumption. But he's recognizing that we, left to ourselves, we always devolve into battle. Everything is a battle. Us versus them. We must defeat and destroy our enemies and, and, and redefine them too. Usually as less than human, mind you. That's one of our tech yeah. that's one of our tactics. Uh, but that's not the only one. But nevertheless, it's still feeding this beast within us that necessitates us going to war. It's always lurking in the background. If you don't do what I do, I will go to war, whatever that looks like, on the large and the small. And Washington saw that for the plague that that he calls it, and I think he is absolutely right. Well, on the one hand, I am tempted to, to be to be snarky and say, "Well, duh." No, yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, but on the other hand, I, I think that. Um, Poor dog. So I'm sitting here, I'm trying not to laugh. Uh, the way we have got uh, Studio R set up here, um, we've, we've pulled in some nice comfortable chairs, and there is very little space between uh, the desk that is in here and the chair that uh, Francis is sitting in. And that's the space that Bosco needs to pass through to get over to his, his nap spot, because it's the afternoon, this is his napping room. And Nemo... And the sun's coming through the window. It's nice exactly. and warm. And it's time for a nice warm nap. So Nemo was in the spot where he needed to walk. And the desk, the way it's built, and Bosco being a large dog, he had a very difficult time getting through that. It was really cracking me up. I'm sorry. It's just very funny. I know Francis is sitting there thinking, yeah, okay, it's a dog story. We can move on. Because uh, as we know, Francis is not the number one fan of animal, uh, dogs. No, but I was... We were, we were rolling, man. We were rolling. We were rolling. We were, we were rolling. rolling. I forgot well, where we were. Ah, no, I, I know where we are. All right. So, I will trust with, you. With, your, with your quote about uh, about war being the, the plague that it is, which it is, I agree, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I think where where the talking about it went, I don't necessarily too far, but I don't think that the striving against one another is a bad thing. I don't think it's a, a, a terrible thing. It is when it gets to the point 
to where we have lost our ability to reason with one another that we have to resort to violence. Before that, I see no problem with it because I, well, I do not want to, granted this is today's climate, uh, I do not want to uh, resort to the uh, destroy the enemy and, and you know, uh, burn the fields and lay waste so to everything. Assault, yeah. uh, that is the current climate almost everywhere, not even just in this country, but uh, practically everywhere anymore. But there is nothing wrong with the going to battle, so to speak, philosophically, to hammer out the ideas, to figure out what we need to do. Um, you know, nobody's, there will never ever be a time when everybody agrees on everything, much less, you know, I mean, heck, nobody's going to, we're never going to have a time when everybody agrees on one issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh. Even if there's only two people. Mm-hmm. One of them's going to have a reservation about something. Mm-hmm. So oh, I don't think Washington intended to imply that. No, but I think you were with your, and, and your I, discussion. And, I, and I'm trying to uh, that conflict is inherently bad. It is. It is actually necessary, and it is. It teases out the. It makes us better in the end. Yes. Uh, uh, conflict and battle. You know. However, war. War is a is different is, thing. is is an is an an escalation that benefits no one, I think. Conflict and battle are necessary. They are natural. They are in, they are good in their in, with in, when they are contained and harnessed towards doing something better with it. We benefit by that. I mean, our adversarial system, both in law and in politics, are built along that. I mean, you go into court and you have two opposing arguments yes. that make themselves. And you look for a, a, a ruling, a consensus. That's that's how things work. Those are good. War is different, though. War is the ultimate destruction of the other side. Generally, yes. It, generally, generally speaking, whether that be physical destruction, economic destruction, uh, ideological destruction, it doesn't really matter. But it's about it is inherently destructive. That's a relatively new thing. Uh, World War One has a lot to do with that. Yes, yes. As, as we've talked uh, about, uh, that's correct. Because wars uh, were far more localized and... Well, they were an extension of, intended to be the civilized gentleman's game. You yes. go forth and you... Because they were monarchs. Sm- that's right. You generally. smack each other physically enough. Right. See who flinches first, that's essentially. Right. Essentially. And then you negotiate a deal. Which, unfortunately, it, it was a great lie. Because... Yes. Uh, look at all the dead that it requires to do that. You yes. know the cannon fodder that essentially people people became devices to be used. Uh, well, that, I think that's always going to be true in any war. But yes. Well, that's and that, that's to me that's it, why it was pretty up more military so then war than it is, is now. Military war has always been evil because of that. The instigation of it, obviously, you you know, unless you choose to be destroyed, you have to engage in it back. But that's correct, and that's. Uh, you know, herein lies the problem. That's yes. right. Is that uh, so many? But if you look, and World War One is probably the easy example. Look at the dead. My God, look at the dead. The shallow graves. Uh, that when the spring rains came, they all bubbled up to the surface and had to be relocated. Uh, uh, I was reading something. This is a slightly off topic, but I was reading something this week uh, with regards to the Holocaust which was an extension of, uh, into that. And uh, there were uh, Einsatzgruppen uh, SS people that were designed through 
Eastern Europe through Poland and Ukraine that when the mass graves over time would unearth themselves and the stench was available for miles, they would go in and essentially build these pyramids of uh, that you would set a fire and burn the bodies hmm. because you had to. Uh, and yet, somehow, all that went on and nobody said a thing about it. Uh, so sorry. I mean, it's, it's kind of on my background when I'm mentioning this. But war is, there is, uh, there is no good thing of war except its ending. That's, that's the only thing I can say. It is probably the greatest sin I think we as a species have permeated upon ourselves. And Washington got that because he lived that. He saw that. He recognized, he saw the dead bodies. Uh, there was a moment, and I'm, uh, I don't know if you saw the movie, you probably didn't. It was an A&E special uh, done with Aidan Quinn. Love Aidan Quinn, he's a great actor, uh, playing Benedict Arnold. It was the story of Arnold, and believe it or not, Kelsey Grammer played Washington. And he did a very good job. He was a younger, he came across as a younger Washington. I love Kelsey Grammer. I think he does a great job. There's a little scene in there. It was very contrived. It was one of the parts I don't like about the series where he's sitting there reading as Washington under a tree and he sees a dead body. He goes and co- uh, soldier and he covers it with his cloak. That is endemic to Washington. Something he would absolutely do. He recognized the dignity of humanity and I believe he mourned the fact that we had to resort to this awful method to bring about what he saw as a necessary thing. Yeah. He didn't undertake any of this lightly. That is exactly it. Um, he didn't undertake uh, being great. I mean, he didn't, did not take lightly being granted command at all. He lobbied, he, he, he lobbied for it, but that was partially because he knew that he had what it took. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we can call that a little bit of arrogance, but no, he knew. Hubris. He knew. Hubris, that's right. Yeah. Well, I mean, he showed up to the Continental Congress in uniform. That's exactly it, yes. So he was sending a message. Correct. Uh, you know, so, yes, he, I, he... I believe in what you're doing, and I'm your guy. Yeah. But, yeah, and uh, and we are the better for it. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes, I mean, he was not in a... You know, he did not have to be dragged kicking and, stre- and screaming into the job. Right. Uh, you know, he's very self-deprecating. Uh, several places you see quotes where he talks about how he, he's not worthy to do the job, but he'll do it anyways. Right. Uh, which, you know, is partially just what you had to say. That that was expected. Yeah, it's part of the show. Of Otherwise, it. you're Horatio Gates. Yeah, yeah. well, <laughs> yes. So, you know, I think something interesting about that quote, and I think that informs his attitude, too, is up until that point... War was especially a tool of conquest. It was a tool of... Oh, yes. You know, you looked at me the wrong way, or I want to be king of where you are. Personal glory. Yeah. That's it. And yeah, so much of the history he would be familiar with uh, of Europe. All, you know, well, yeah, because you've got from... War of the Spanish succession and all this well, other yeah. business. The, the wars of religion. It and, all would look uh, so Brit- foolish. Yeah. From his perspective, it's like, why would you fight over that? And yet he still used the same tactics and methods yeah. that they used. Well, but the tactics and methods are different than the why you fought. Of course, it is. It is. And I, I'm just pointing out an irony so he, here. He would have been, you know, he was the leader for history's first war of liberation almost. 
successful what? one. Yes, yeah, right. I mean, I mean what yes, he success. did. That's right. I mean, you can Spartacus might uh, uh, that's yeah. say the same thing. Yeah, the servile yeah. wars that were fought. Uh, you know, it was, it was, he's yeah. I mean, he's he's the guy that led the first successful war of liberation. And well, so he's going to yes. look back at these things what, in, in recent history. Was I think it's a little bit of hyperbole. Yeah, sure. Because I mean, sure. really, the thirteen colonies did not have anything to be liberated again from. I mean, let's face it. Yeah, the a whole se- taxation it was more separ- It was separation versus yeah. more. It is definitely yeah. revolution. I, I, I yeah. prefer to talk about it as the only successful, truly successful revolution. Yeah, all others failed within ten years. Yeah, but yeah, I think. I mean, liberation's a bit much. <laughs> yeah. But it, it was something that was unknown at his Exactly, time. yes. The I, idea yes, of we're going to go to war to save someone else. Even though, well, it had been spoken of that way many times before, but for God's sakes, William the Bastard said the same thing when he crossed the, <laughs> crossed from Normandy <laughs> yeah. uh, to, to England. You know, he's not known as William the Liberator. He's known as William the Conqueror. Right, yeah. right. So this, you know, it, it was just... He's at a very unique moment of looking back at you know, for that recent history and all of that stuff, and was well educated on that. Yeah. He, was, oh, yeah. he definitely oh, knew yeah. this. Yeah, and it just all that stuff would have seemed ridiculous. Yes, and you know, it's, he's just what we have done since would be unknown to him. You know, this a notion of well, okay, we've got to go over there and and. The Nazis are killing everybody. Uh, you know, mechanized death is not something. He well, yeah, the mechanization of war. Well, I mean, he, he perhaps could have get a little of that because technology had, you know, increased a little. I mean, uh, uh, the rifle barrel and the muskets and all that stuff. Like, you know, there was at least a little bit of that. But you're right. The concept of a true war of liberation, which you could say World War Two, the invasion yeah. from D-Day forward. Yeah, it was intended to be that. It, but, it, but even then, we didn't know it. It was only when the Holocaust... When, when the, when no, well, uh, it, we, we, it depends it, on what you are talking about being liberated. Because uh, I think... Because uh, obviously that's primarily U.S. forces. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, from, yeah, from our certainly perspective. what it was called when you got to France. Yeah, that's you right. were liberating France. That's right, it was. But we, France. I, guess we, I guess we did not realize the depth of exactly yeah. what that was. Yeah. When not we the common in. man. Oh, no, not at all. And I don't, I don't know that anybody did you know, in the uh, West. There, there are hints that they, yes, they started we, to know. We knew. Yeah. At, yeah. at high government point. levels, we knew what was going on. Yeah, well, because, as I said earlier, you can't hide this stuff. Right. You tried. Believe me, they were, uh, they were you know, they would kill anybody that witnessed this sort of stuff. But, which I find interesting. It's one of the things I find fascinating about the whole. Yes, we knew maybe not to the to the extent the industrialization of murder mm-hmm. that Hitler had achieved, but we knew that the camps existed and that they were killing Jews and other undesirables. Correct. Now, because they were almost universally considered undesirables, undesirables. it didn't. You know, we didn't make a big stink about it. Perhaps the way we would now. The, I always find that fascinating. In, because in insidious in a way. It, yeah. Well, I don't know. It's insidious. It just it just amazes me that it's not used for propaganda. Hmm. When you think about it, you got a man who's leading that country over there, and he is rounding people up, innocent men and women and children, especially women and children, and just butchering them, sending them to camps to be worked to death, or, uh, you know. Gassed and, and bodies burned. Again, don't know the full extent of what they absolutely knew, but they knew. And yet it wasn't used. It was almost like it was a polite gentleman's agreement, oh, we don't talk about that. 
Well, yeah, I think maybe because we had our own camps in in California for the Japanese. I don't know. No, certainly no, we I don't didn't think it do that. to them what what Hitler did. But yeah, because it was not it was not designed for mass murder. Uh, it, it no, was, we still put people in camps. That's a very, that's correct. Very yeah, that, that is yeah, not to, to diminish that at all. But it, the, the the purposes were very different, and the execution yes, yes. was very different. Uh, because literally, the final solution uh, was wholesale industrial uh, strategic. We will. We wish to genocide. Was the goal, yes. uh, and that's and that's something well, that because you got to make room for people that you want to move into the places. Rom- well, that's, they, that's that's a lot. Well, you demonize this into this group uh, in particular as the problem, and therefore, but they believed it. They just. I mean, it wasn't just a, a convenient scapegoat. Uh, they had they had built a case that they believed truly that they well, were subhuman. Yes. Uh, pariahs, uh, leeches, you know, you, yeah, whatever. And, you know, they certainly had centuries of European history to build on that. Uh, that's correct. This so, idea know, was part of the culture, unfortunately. Yeah, that's correct. And they recognized that the fact that the other cannot coexist with us. Because if the other does, then we are diminished. That's, that's in many respects... It's a zero-sum game. That's correct. Which, uh, There's like, no room for it for those people. Yeah, which I've yeah. always said. Any moment in time is a zero sum game. Absolutely, because it, by definition, it is the pie you're dealing with. Right. But there is no such thing over the long term. Exactly. The pie right. grows. Well, increase. because we don't have a tendency to think in the fourth dimension like we should. Perhaps that's another subject, though. Another episode. Yes. I feel like we have gotten way off track. Here, we often though. do. Yes. Let's get back to George. Yes. So time for. Well, if you give me a chance, man, it's my show today. I, was, I know, but that's I was, what I was. It was a totally question, <laughs> not a demand. No, but you're sitting over there clinking your ice. <laughs> well, uh, I know because I'm getting ready to grab this. Mr. Howard, Mr. Howard, the bottle stands by you, sir. Oh, you're going, Russell. Are oh, you going? So down it's time for a bourbon break. Which uh, uh, there we go. Nice sound effect. Excellent. That is Martin opening the bottle of Russell's Reserve. And One more uh, little snoot. Yes. Yes, this is actually my third bourbon, and unfortunately, because, you know, it's the only thing about ice that I don't like is that it, no matter what you do, even with a sphere, it just melts too fast. Uh, which is ne- necessary and good, but we don't, we have a tendency not to drink our bourbon quickly. We don't. We are sippers. Yeah, that's very much so, which is part of the design. But well, we're also sitting here, you know, jawing away. That's correct. <laughs> and, you know, probably most people don't take an hour to drink a glass of bourbon. Which, you know, for us, that is often the case. Perhaps that might be the, in- the the intended proper way anyway. You should take plenty of time with your bourbon. That's uh, what I've yeah, always I mean, it's, heard. It's certainly enjoyable, and what else is the point? Well, yes, I'm not saying we should guzzle. No, yeah. I'm just saying that, you know, if we were to uh, do it before the ice is melted is my point. You know, which, which is the whole point of the spheres, which is greatly does help. But it's still a lot of ice to melt. But then again, whether it melts or not, the coldness is gone. And the same amount of time... the cold stays for a while. You think it stays longer than it takes ice to melt? Oh, yeah. Because it doesn't immediately become room temperature as soon as the ice is gone. Interesting. I've never considered that. I mean, remember your laws of physics. The temperatures are moving to a middle ground. Exactly. Well, that's right. I was going to say. But anyway, uh, the, the advantage I'm thinking of ice versus the spheres is... By adding the cold water that blooms uh, the intended way of the particular bourbon, not all. I mean, some are more 
uh, better enjoy neat, I think, is a is a fair statement. Mm, I don't know. I don't know. I've come across any that I've enjoyed neat. I'm kind of so. I'm kind of the same way, and because you know, for a long time I was just neat, and I would try, and I'm thinking, no, as we've tried it, I think it's intended to be this way uh, for most I like of my it. bourbon, like I like my sex, sloppy. Okay, let's go back to well, what we were drinking neat, here. Right? That's right. If it's not neat, it's sloppy. Well, it was uh, was it George Carlin once said, you know, you drive like old people, boop, yes. slow and sloppy. It's slow and sloppy. That's right. But anyway, ah, uh, George. Yes, there, are, there was definitely never a wit like his. I don't think we've ever had a silence that long <laughs> after, after that joke. I just, I don't know, I just couldn't think of anything to come back with there. Uh, we should have had a rim shot. Yeah, that we didn't yeah, have. Really that yes. Yeah, no pun intended. All right. Uh, so what did oh, you go, have? Don't go there. Don't go there. You you still have Old Forester. I, I am. This is the. I'm telling you guys. He's got to finish off my bottle. This is Old Forester is my brand these days. I've discovered it. You know, I, when we were at my place, we had two of the uh, of the four uh, whiskey row. Uh, Extensions, I suppose you yeah. would call them, of the brand. And which next time we're at my place, I have all four of them now, uh, which yeah, are well, uncracked as we speak. Yeah, now yeah. I don't know how long that'll last, but I have told my youngest, "Keepest thou pause off the damned ofo, don't touch it, dude." Okay, ofo. That's right. Nice. Well, that's what my sister called it because she works for Brown Foreman, and she says that's just kind of what they talk. Ofo. That's their. It's one of their brands. Uh, but this this one hundred proof. Old Forester that we're drinking here, dang, it's good. It really is. It just is that good. I'm, I'm truly, you know, if you're, I used to be a Basil Hayden guy, and I still love Basil Hayden. Don't get me wrong, but I think if I'm going to go into, if I was to walk into a bar, and a bourbon <coughs> bar, and I'd say, me. pour me a gla- pour me a shot of such and such, it would be an Old Forester I'd ask for these days. I find that will change, you. perhaps. Yeah, because that, that stuff is killer. Absolutely, it's killer. Uh, uh, an, an honorable mention to Wild Turkey. I could easily. I was just thinking I could of that. Easily do love that it, one love too. The wild Turkey, and yes. we just don't have any on us with us today. Yes. Uh, uh, and we may. I've got some at the house. We'll. Uh, we will go. I'm yeah. not sure what you have at your place, Martin. If if you're any of that. The the, uh, the one that we did not try uh, when you guys were at Studio M last is the Monk's, Monks Road. Road. I know that you know, that we're coming and back I've, to that. I've since opened it and tried it and I want you all to try it. It's awesome. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's from the it's from the, the, the Dant Distillery uh, out that, out that way. Yeah, Long Steel Distillery. Which, yeah, exactly. And it grew, has some wheat in the mash bill so it's a little mellower. I grew mellower up literally and, miles from that place. It's, yeah. it's, some, it's some really great stuff. I'm looking forward to that. But yes. Old Forester still is my thing at least for it's, now. It's, it's awesome. Well, it, it is a very good bourbon. Uh, put is, a little ice to it. 100 proof. It's just right at that sweet yes, spot. It, it uh, really a little is caramel excellent. to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to get my palate back guys. Uh, a little bit of that, a teensy bit of pepper, but it's smooth. I really, smooth, I, the more smooth, and more smooth, I think smooth, about smooth. The, the taste, I try to express what this. Yeah. I really think that's the char coming through. Yeah, I think so. It's, it's, it's yeah. hard for us to get our. Yeah. Words well, we're still ready. learning the vocabulary. You know, very much I mean, so. I mean, we're yeah, not. Though we've been doing this the bourbon break now for almost three years. Yeah, I mean, well, bourbon I think is something like so many other things. It is best learned over the long term. Yes. Yes. It really is. It really is. Uh, and, what did you pour, Robert? So uh, I, I poured some Elijah Craig 1789 small batch. Good stuff. And um, We've had that here before, yes. I think. I don't recall the taste, though. Uh, it's, it's very good. It's one of those bourbons that, uh, to me, there's a group of bourbons we've been drinking of late 
that uh, have similar profiles in terms of their impact on the palate and what have you. Yes. Uh, so the Old Forester, the Wild Turkey, the Basil Hayden, uh, all those I, I find similar to that impact that there's a great amount of flavor in the mouth. You know, so, so that it really... Because obviously your taste buds, you know, everything in your mouth, that's where the tasting is going to happen. Sure. And uh, not all bourbons really give you that same impact there like like these had been. And Elijah Craig, I think, is one that, that does that. Um, and, we, of course, we did the Wild Turkey and the Elijah Craig and the Old Forester. Uh, and the Knob Creek is another one that mm-hmm. has a similar impact mm-hmm. in that way. Uh, had all those around at the same time. It was, just, it was like a renaissance of bourbon uh, tasting there for a while because it was everything was new and wonderful. Um, it's 94 proof, so it's, it's a bit higher proof than, um, than uh, is the standard that we've been having. That's, you know, right around there, though. Um, I think this is a weeded whiskey. It's a little bit lighter in color, a little more amber. Don't really taste a whole lot of rye. Mm-hmm. Uh, you definitely get uh, some of the char, but it, it, again, like some of these others, it's sweet. Um, I don't know that it's very... It, it, it's the caramel specific or the vanilla that you get with some of the others, uh, like a Woodford. Yeah. But uh, it, it, you definitely get some sweetness. Um, I think, uh, if I remember right, it's... Well, uh, Elijah Craig's one of my favorites, too. Um, it's almost like a toffee and honey to it a little tiny yeah, bit. I think you could say that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the Russell Reserve and the and the Old Forester is, is more kind of a salted caramel, a mm-hmm. uh, little bit to it, uh, with some cinnamon at the end. Yeah. So. Now, I have no idea. I do not remember what all of these cost. Uh, one was, the Russell's Reserve was a gift, so I have no idea. It, it's a little bit more pricey. If yeah, I, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. It's like forty-ish, give or take a little. Mm, Thirty-four. I think. I think you could get it for mid thirties. Okay. Um, I know the old Forester was not uh, uh, terribly high priced. Uh, I mean, for God's but, sake, it's got a screw top. Yeah, it's it's under forty. I know that. Oh, I think it's under thirty. Yeah, yeah I, I think you may be right on that. Um, so I think the Russell Reserve is right around the thirty-five dollar mark, and I think your Elijah Craig would be about a twenty-eight dollar mark. I Somewhere do not remember. I, I, it's going up a little bit. It used to be more of a twenty-two, um, but yeah, what hasn't? I mean, it's not out. like the price of eggs or anything, but you know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's they're all very good. It, you know, good. That, that was our experience. message. Message just uh, our buddy Spraga uh, from NYC. Francis slapped his face after I tried to do another shout out to our new bourbon friend. Well, we don't know which episode she's going to listen to. Yes. So. But it was, don't be afraid of low-cost bourbon. You don't have to spend 50 and 60 bucks to get good stuff. Right. Absolutely. That's you, correct. You, a good $30 bottle is, I mean, you can, well, 15s are fine. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the, the standard Four Roses, uh, I think that's the best example of a very good bourbon that is, mm-hmm. you know, very cheaply priced. Because um, even the standard, it might even be an 80 proof, I don't remember, but... Uh, that's an excellent one, and this I've got two different small batches in there because yep. I got a small batch for uh, Christmas from the pastor, and uh, you know each a little bit different, but very similar profiles because uh, it's four roses. But um, you know, still none of them are, are terribly expensive. No, no, that's right. Um, As we've said many the times, one from pastor is the most expensive of the ones I have. But, yeah. Uh, well, there's no such thing as bad bourbon. Right, even a bad bourbon is still bourbon. That's right, yeah. Except for Trader Joe's. Except for Trader Joe's, That's yes. the that is the exception. That is the exception that proves the rule. That's yes. right, because that one was right out. Yes, that was just the nastiest crap ever. And, you know, sorry Trader Joe's, 
you know, normally we try not to talk bad about bourbon. You got called out. But, man, you got to do better. Whoever's buying, you know, I'm sure you've made a deal. Renegotiate it. There's yeah. plenty of, I'm sure there are plenty of good, reputable distillers that would be happy to provide you your product that you can put your label on. I forget, and I could be wrong, so pardon if I am wrong, because I'm not going to bother to Google it. I want to say that the Trader Joe's bourbon might come out of the Four Roses distillery. Yeah. Which just astounds me. I was going to yeah. say, because there's somebody's making it for them. I don't know what right. it yeah, is. Right, somebody's yeah. making it for yeah. them. They yeah. don't do that themselves. They're, they're, but it's they're just the nastiest crap. It's almost like, it's like, you know, that's the batch that went bad. Send that to Trader Joe's. Uh, it's yeah, the only I thing was, I can think I was, of. Yeah, that's... that's uh, because I'll drink a very old Barton before I'll drink that stuff. Yeah, like, they're, like the barrel yeah. broke yeah. and they vacuumed it up off the rickhouse floor and then put it in bottles. Yeah, yeah. It's not a bad way of putting it. That's correct. Yeah, maybe. Exactly. You know, but I, yeah, I mean, it might have to squeeze it out of the ground. I'm yeah, not sure. I mean, don't be afraid. Of Evan Williams at fifteen to eighteen, even is good stuff. No, old Granddad, very old Barton. They're all around that. Thirteen, fifteen dollar bottle. Uh, that Heaven Hill bottle I've got in Heaven Hill's not bad. Bond. Absolutely, that, yeah. uh, I keep meaning to push that or pull that to the forward uh, front of my my bourbons because I want to get back to it. But as I'm looking at it, because they all sit on top of my refrigerator, so and I've got about a dozen bottles. Well, and the ones in the back, I uh, you know they tend to get forgotten. Well, what you need to do is like I did last time. We polished off five bottles last time we were at my place. Yes, not full was, bottles. No, because there wasn't much left. Yes. so I just kind of cleared the palate. So. Uh, what Most you should, of them aren't that should, low. Yeah. I, we did that a while back with some of the ones that were really low. Yeah, when you get lows, just kind of figure out, okay. We Although my old Forester's getting pretty low. I've been guilty of a little <laughs> bit of that. Now. I'm loving it. I really love it this is, old Forester. It's, 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 it's so, one of the best. Robert, here, here I've got something for you, Mike. Sure, sure. So, um, I know it's super creepy how Facebook ads seem to like read your mind. Yes. But I've been getting Facebook ads for Wayfair for these like self-contained bars, oh. you know how you like you pull the doors open and yes. it's got, the doors all have shelves and, and stuff like that. I've been I, I looking. Think it, I think it, you need to find a corner here someplace, uh, right here on the other side of this wall is where it's going. Oh, you've, you've already got, got a picture. Oh. Yeah, I already know where it's going. I just have not. All right, knuckle well, me down. One yet. That's well, yeah, that's that. like I did upstairs in my office. You know, you just devote a space. And mine wasn't tough. It was just a bookshelf, but it's right. got the doors, and it, it fills it very well. And it's yep. going to be intended yep. for, essentially, just bourbon. It yeah. would be very James Bond yes. for you. I mean, it's it's uh, where you open it up, and you've got the glasses, and you've got the ice bucket, and then you've got all the bottles there, on the There's sides. a bourbon barrel uh, bar. Yes, yes. I've, seen I, I've seen those oh out God, there. It's yes. expensive, though. Yeah. I mean, if you get just a barrel, it's not. But you add shelves into it. It's like you know, jumps up tremendously. Yeah. If I had the money, I would definitely work. Yeah, well, something to work on and to find yes. yourself a yes. space to yes. devote to that. Yes, yes. Get, you, and get you a it, corner it, bar to pull open. It's very, uh, it's very something that people a uh, conversation piece. It's it's very. I don't want to say elitist, but it is. It's something that every well, wife would love to have because it's kind of saying, "Here we are. We are sophisticated people." It's. Yeah, my wife knows better. Uh, <laughs> furniture, but, but yeah, yeah it's so, a, that's but, right. But you can. The only downside is, I think probably the Wayfair stuff is going to be put together. Yeah. Well, I mean, you which, get what you pay for. Yeah. But it is quality stuff. As general, I've never had a problem with most of the Wayfair stuff. Yeah. Uh, it, it, Ideally, I, I would love it if I just had some place to actually put in a small bar, an actual bar, an actual yes. bar. Yeah. Yeah. But I just, there's really 
without us gutting the first floor here and redoing things, which I would love to do, you know, oh. win the lottery or something, or, yeah. you know, sell off the rights of uh, my book to Netflix, uh, you know, then, then we'll probably gut the first floor and make some changes, but... Uh, yeah. But in the meantime, look at a furniture yes. bar on Wayfair. Absolutely. And I'll help you put it together if you need an <laughs> extra set of hands. Well, he did help me put together some of my bookshelves at the house when we moved. So, uh, or help me stock them, certainly, uh, to, to make But well, you know that um, a corner bookshelf with the doors underneath and just open shelves, that would work very nicely yes. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I've looked at various options. Yeah, a, a china cabinet, that which was intended for that, works yes. very well as a bar. Yes. That's right. Just, as I long want as the shelves are either adjustable or the bottles or right can be seen. That's right. Yes. But important. I want something with doors as well. Very important. Yes. That's yes. correct. You know, I want, I, ideally, I would like something where, you know, it's fine where if there are opaque doors, that's, that's okay. You can put supplies down there. But the good bottles, I would like to display. And that's how mine is set up. And that's space for the glasses and the the ice bucket when we fill it for... I mean, ideally, it would be that I would build one like uh, Osato uh, in his office there in the uh, James Bond movie. Oh, yes, yes. you, you only, only live, live twice. twice. Yeah, where it's got its where you open it and it's it's a whole room uh, of stuff. And it, as as and as Bond, of course, he makes a, he drinks it after he disposes of the guy. He goes, "Oh, Siamese vodka, huh? Awful." You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the Siamese vodka. Yes. Was oh, I would love to have a room that opened into the uh, the bourbon room at the, the Fraser. That, well, that's essentially yes. what that kind of was. Yes. Yeah, that's right. With lots that would of be awesome. Lots of lights, lots of glass shelving, mm-hmm. and lots of bottles. You know, yes. that's kind of yes, what it was. That would be awesome. So, we've probably sufficiently uh, pummeled that equine. Yes. And uh, so now, it's time for you guys to repeat your phrases so that I can then BS my way into hammering it all together. What do you, you've already done a pretty good job of, I would say. I think there's some, some ground to work from here. So, uh, my quote from George Washington, Be Americans. Let there be no sectionalism, no north, south, east, or west. You are all dependent on one another and should be one in union. In one word, be a nation. Be Americans and be true to yourselves. I suspect that is probably from his farewell address, address, uh, but I don't have attribution. I would not be surprised, yeah. My quotation is, and it's much briefer than that, the time is near. Which must determine whether Americans. Whoops, I am reading you the wrong quotation. I was going to say, that didn't sound right. That didn't sound right. No, no, no. I am so sorry. You're vamp a little bit here, guys. I lost my quotation. Uh, That's quite all right. You know, it happens. We all, especially when we're doing stuff on our phones, it's very easy to lose. Well, no, here it is. It is. My first wish is to see this plague of mankind, war, banished from the earth. Great sentiment. Great sentiment. Little idealism there. Yep. Yes, yes. Well, again, he's the practical idealist. Uh, you know, that which is, it's not an oxymoron. It's not. No, not at all. All right, so the quote that I have chosen. Associate yourself with men of good quality, if you esteem your own reputation. Yep. For it is better to be alone than to be in bad company. I, I, I saw that when I was researching. Yeah. Love that yes. quote. I'm glad yes. you went with that. Better to be alone than be in bad yes. company. Of course, the implication is if you are if you seek out men of good reputation and you're alone, you're the bad apple. Um, well, yeah, I suppose that's that's very true, yeah. Yes. Because it's, if you're, uh, it's, it's very clear, though. Uh, you you are what you eat, so to speak, or is it you, you are, are the, the company sum- that you keep. You yes. are the company that there you keep. There is a maxim. Uh, amongst motivational speakers, that you are the you know your income is the average of the five people you associate with the most. 
I don't know how true that is, but there's some truth that you associate with people of your own socioeconomic level. And, and, and conform yourself to them. Yes. To, to, the, success, to the successful ones. Yes. Or unsuccessful, I suppose, as the case may be. Depending on the... Pro- pro- yeah. 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 I mean, it is a note on this... How we influence one another. Yes. yes. That's, a, that's a good way you of know, putting it. Yes. He, again, he was a good judge of merit and a good judge of character and liked to bring people in. More not, importantly, not he just, aspired to good character. Yes. He did. He, yes. he recognized it as a, as a concept that he worked towards actively and deliberately. It was not something that was amorphous right. for him. Right. That's another quote that I almost chose was essentially that, you know, aspire to have good character. Yeah. He could look beyond your circumstances to see what you were about. Right. And again, this idea of bringing along somebody like Hamilton, who did view him as a father figure, but it, it was a, a relationship they both benefited from. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, he had a, Hamilton had a mentor, and Washington had someone he could depend on. Well, Washington got the son he never had. Yeah. You know? Very much. Yeah. Very much. Uh, so, yeah, the, I, I'm sure that father-son dynamic went both ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very much. Very mm-hmm. much. But it was, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a really neat view on how he viewed... You know, relationships with other people. Oh, yeah. That, oh, look at that. He went to a relationship. Yeah, I love that because yes. you know, I go to relationships all the time. You know, this, this idea that, you know, good, you, the good stuff that other people are can rub off on you. Exactly. Exactly. Um, you can you can internalize. Jonathan, you wanted to add that for no, I want my I, own tying up. No, there. no, I, I like the uh, the idea that Hamilton and Washington were father and son spiritually and effectively in many respects, although uh, not necessarily ideologically or economically, but uh, I, I was just I was just thinking, you know, I, I was making sure my timeline that, you know, Hamilton remembered Washington's death. Washington never knew of his, of Hamilton's because it was about six years later. Right, right. So yeah. and I just want to make sure I, I caught that right because I know that that was, Washington's death was in many respects Burr something that was... sitting vice president. When he's yes. Hamilton, right? That's right. Absolutely, yeah, that's yeah. correct. Yeah, he's he's, he's uh, Jefferson's vice president. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and uh, and and shall his name live in infamy? Infamy. Yes. The first vice president to not succeed his president. Yeah, that's that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would like to think that has somewhat something to do with the shooting of Hamilton. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Burr is considered to be uh, just one of the uh, the history scumbags. To use one of your yeah, words. I, he's he's even Jefferson really kind of viewed him. As someone to keep at arm's length, he he was an opportunist. Uh, he viewed himself as someone who should be in charge, but he didn't understand the idea of you have to earn your way to be in charge in a republic. So in the early days, who 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 he who goes into the election president comes out vice president. Yeah, it's a, say, like that. yeah yes. a play on the old uh, he who goes into the conclave as a pope comes out as a cardinal. Yes. It's the same type of thing, you know. Uh, yeah, and, that, and that's very fair. You know, it's the dichotomy and the, the irony of our, our system is that, you know, the guy who wants to be president is the last one we should give it to. That's right. <laughs> but yet, here we are. We have it, to give it, it to be, one. It should be he who is called and chosen, not who self-selects. Not always, because not everybody who is called and chosen yeah. should be chosen. 
Well, that's true. That therein therein lies one of the ugly little fallacies of our democratic system. Just because you're the most popular does not Doesn't necessarily mean you're the, mean best. the best leader. Yes. Uh, so yeah, and and that's that's a is, and well, that has been we this see it all times. the time. Yeah, yeah we see yeah. it all the time. Yeah. So when I look at this quote, I mean, I love it. Uh, because I love things that encourage people to be the best that they can be. Absolutely. And this is obviously what it's doing. You, know, you, you want to, uh, to be around men of good character. Because exactly like you said, Martin, it will rub off. Yep. You know, if, if you're around people who are good all the time, you will want to be good too. That becomes your tribe. Yes, it's using tribalism in its best sense. Yes. To, yes. to mold and create you, not vice versa, although there is some of that. There always yes. is. Yeah, yes. There, there's, it's always, you know, you contribute to the tribe, the tribe contributes to It's the always community. synchronous. Yes. Um, and so, to me, that that goes hand in hand with, with both of these quotes, because if you are uh, seeking to, to be not just be a good character, but surround yourself with, with men of good character... Uh, to be in their company. To me, that's what he's talking about when he says to be Americans, to get rid of the sectionalism. No North, East, South, West. You know, mm-hmm. to be united in purpose. And, you know, obviously the, the, uh, the, the supposition is that it's for a positive good. United in purpose is an amazing way to phrase it. Very well done, Robert. Yes, but it's, it's it's broader than just that. I was thinking, you know, it's also fraternal. Yes. I mean, and you yeah. Know, oh, yes. Well, that's yes. But and it's yeah. it's what what does it mean to be an American? Well, it's it's there's a purpose. If we can find a purpose to unite us, that purpose being to be that shining city on the hill, as Reagan would phrase that's, it. But that's amorphous, though. Uh, we, we were very good at reuniting for a purpose, as in we must go across the sea and kill the Huns, that sort of thing, or, uh, or fight Nazi Germany, whatever. But you know, we're, we, it's great when you've got a purpose, but every day in, day in, and out, you don't always. Right, that's... Uh, you should be united still, though. But you should still be united. And how are you united? Well, you're united, I think, in that fraternal sense, because I think that is part of the Be Americans. Well, yeah, we're all Liberté, Egalité, Fraternité. The French may have coined it, but we live it. We, we, live, well, we really yes. do. Yeah. Well, we try probably we try better to. than anyone, anyone else. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, so, yeah, there, there is that, that relationship aspect to that, because when you say Be Americans, you know, and to surround yourself with men of good character, even if you're the only one in the group that is not, um, it... it, it it is telling us to be with one another, but to be with the right one another, you know, to not necessarily get rid of or exclude or destroy those who are not of good character, or those who refuse to kowtow to the, the whims of the group. That's, that's not the that's point. That's another animal entirely, yes. Yes, that's an, entirely another animal. That's where your quote would come in, where ah, war comes war in. War comes in, yeah. And I think for him, seeing us as Americans, getting rid of that section, that's... Result of that is getting rid of war, mm-hmm. and now he may not have. Obviously, I don't think any of the founders could have envisioned where America ends up. No, as, uh, too many things happen. Yes, that is, uh, it's just you know where we are now is so different from where we were then. It, it's it, it beggars the imagination. Yes, it's almost uh, when we we speak uh, from time to time of the issue of. Uh, where we've got um, to come 
uh, from today and why we should go back to the way it was intended at the times of the founders, it's almost just a non sequitur. Right. Uh, it, on the large questions, yes, I understand that. But to take that to the micro level is missing the point. Right, right. We yeah. can't, it, it's impossible to, 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 do, to do that. But So I think the, you know, if you are surrounded with men of good character, you're less likely to want to go to war because men of good character should be able to work out their differences. They seek reconciliation. Yes. They well, recognize yeah. that there is the brother that brotherhood of man, whether that's a phrase he used or not, yeah. doesn't matter. Peace is the natural state to which we aspire. I don't know if that's to I don't know that I aspire with it. Well, it's the state to which we aspire. I don't know that it's a natural state. Well, uh, well, it's a supernatural state if you want to go theological. because That, yeah, is, that the, is true. Yes, that that is, is the grace-filled, pre-original sin state that we that live in. That is correct. I, I, I believe, if you believe mankind was created good, which we as Catholics certainly do, yes. then yes, the natural state of peace that to which we aspire... Is where it's a, it's the gravitation it's the equilibrium in nature that we work towards right and uh, you know those of us who are, who are not raging narcissists generally realize that there are things greater than ourselves that there is something good beyond our own desires yeah ultimately peace is is what benefits the most people uh, and mm. well no I, I truly believe that because uh, the greatest number the problem is so many of those people that it benefits have no power or authority. Well, yes, because you know certainly you know China is not dealing with any civil wars internally or anything like yeah, that. Uh-huh. So they have peace, but I don't know how much it benefits that nearly two billion people. So that's that's my only caveat to that is that a lack yeah. of war is not necessarily peace. Oh well, it depends on how you define true, war. True, because true. what you're talking about there, I'm speaking of. Strife. I'm not. I'm yeah. I'm not speaking of necessarily. Uh, military conflict war is conflict taken to the extent where it has become inhumane i suppose that's a better way of phrasing this because we define, no, one could argue all war is inhumane well that's correct by definition that's that's kind of the the benchmark because conflict itself is natural and necessary but it reaches the point once it reaches the point where it devolves into what we're calling war then it becomes Ill, immoral and inhumane and, and inhumane is the is the I don't want to say benchmark, but it's it's the litmus test for when Anything when you sh- passed from natural, normal, beneficial conflict into something that is not. I, I would I would put it. It's yeah. kind of like pornography as the old you traditional. Can't define decision. it, but I know it when I see well, it. Well, you don't see it. That's exactly yeah. the same thing here. So to me, uh, so maybe a better way to put this uh, in a more understandable way, or, or maybe this will help sum it up, because it is my job to hammer these things home. Roberto Smalius, um, yes. You know. The uh, I'm sure I got the, the words right because I lost a little bit there. Um, so, <sighs> crap. So, uh, mm, I had it. Oh no, we hate it when this happens. Yes. yes. So, you're talking about, let's, let's just recap here just a little bit so maybe that'll trigger the, the words okay. that I had. So, the, the, the fact that war itself. When you use that term of war, you are referring to something ah, that is... Yeah. I got it. Oh, there we go. Okay, I, I got knew it. we'd yes. get back to yes. it. Yes. Yeah, unless somebody else spoke, I could figure it out. Okay. Yes. Go to the pressure me to fill the Go silence. with it before you lose it, brother. So, uh, everything short of personal violence 
Because mm. personal violence is obviously where war starts. Okay. And and uh, and so I would include me, you know, walking over there and smacking Martin upside the head. Okay. That would be a uh, very personal war. It'd be very personal to Martin. <laughs> um, anything short of that is the crucible in which ideas and people are tested and refined. So violence is is the thou shalt not cross line. It's the do line. Yes. yes. Violence, once, once you enter into violence, then no longer are ideas being tested, refined, and made. Or people. Or people. You've overflowed the crucible. And you've over, you can't then... Put it back. Yeah. You can't put it back in to keep burning away the impurities. The dross. Right. So violence is the definition of war. Uh, yes, because but, but we can, talk, get, we can get, talk about personal violence. We can talk about physical violence. We can talk about verbal violence. I was going to say we we got to we got to define this a little bit. And by verbal violence, I don't mean just you know character assassination is is one way of looking yes. at that. Uh, because uh, anytime you get personal, anytime you devolve to the ad hominem, okay, which is to a person, so it's yes. a personal. It it involves attacking a person. Right, insulting it, the other because you have no way to refute the which idea. is it, which is violent either physically or otherwise. Yes. So, so, so in other words, it it devolves into the the difference between war and natural conflict is attack. Yes. Yes. Uh, once you attack, well, then then you've then when, you've once you the, attack the person. Because you can attack well, ideas. Yeah, That's I mean, right. once you've moved away from focusing on the idea into something else. So, the, so the, the real word then is not attack, but it's personal. Target. Once the target targeted becomes okay. That's good. That's the good. person or the people. But, because yeah, you once, have to be, once the it has it has shifts. to be irrespective of scope. Yes. Yes. Uh, to to, to yes. define this properly. Once the target moves beyond the idea, the thing being debated, the action to be decided. Uh, once we personalized. But once it becomes personalized, that to me would become the definition of war. And I would argue that... Cold or hot, it doesn't matter. Yes, cold or hot doesn't because matter. Because Cold War is actually not a bad example of that. Because we were, the Russians were, the Soviets in particular, were the demons that must be opposed at every state of, co- of connection, which they said the same thing to us. Right. Even though we never fortunately devolved into a hot war. Uh, it was still a war of it a was, kind. It, it was a war of a kind. Certainly a, uh, a cold war is far better than a hot war. Absolutely. That's right. Um, and, you know, you can make the argument that a cold war, depending on how it's conducted, uh, is still that crucible of ideas. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're well, yeah, and that, and that itself can, can be beneficial. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it, again, it is... The razor or the, or the the iron by which you sharpen your argument for your idea. Yes, and oh, the reason I, I bring yeah, this this refining of your idea of yeah. your quote right. is because I want to go back to mine because that's the whole point you know of my segment. Men of, that's what men of good character do, right? We constantly refine iron sharpens iron. I mean, it's a, it's a great it's a very male oriented quote, but it's it's very much. Put, be better than you are. Right. Aspire, and you know, again, use other people's ideas and wisdom and strengths to do right. that. What does that practically mean to surround yourself with good people, presumably so that you can become one yourself? 
it all to, you know, again, yeah, I could probably work my way around to bringing all of my summations back around to it, but mm-hmm. respect the inherent dignity of a human person. Right. I mean, that's what it is. It's people of good character, the ideas that lead to their actions are grounded in the notion of the inherent dignity of the human person. So therefore, yes. it, uh, so therefore exactly. to make sense then, war is the is the point where that the dignity and the sanctity of human life is no longer respected. Oh, absolutely. And I think we've probably made that exact I think point. I think that's kind of yes. where we're, you, we're, we're circling you, around the drain here. You've abandoned you know, Once you abandon that, that principle, then war is the inevitable result. Yes. And the the sad fact of war is that even if you are the, the side that is attacked, unless you roll over and allow yourself to be conquered or perhaps destroyed, that's right. So you soon. have to resort to the same methods. Yeah. Uh, even okay. though which is what something which is something that uh, Ideologists and and uh, those who fight on particular things have realized, and I think again it goes back to World War One. Thank you. There is you cannot make a deal with the devil. You must destroy your opponent to truly be safe. Yes. Yes. And, and see, the problem is in large numbers of people. You know, that's interesting that's not the way you possible. put that. That's interesting the way you put that. You right. have railed many times against uh, the whole idea of things like safe spaces mm-hmm. and microaggressions and these things that people get offended over and seemingly to our generation it's like I don't even see what you're offended about well, much yeah, less well yeah it's like grow up and and, and you know recognize yeah. that this is not a safe put your big boy panties on put your big boy's panties on realize this is not a world this, this world is not a safe space you have the duty the responsibility and the joy of becoming part of the arena right and that which you can survive and thrive in Yes, it does not, because it doesn't kill you. It makes the you arena, stronger. Yes, it, short of actual war, that's right. Very little is you know is out there trying to kill you. You know, people go out there every day. Day. Yeah, in in this now, in this civilized world we live in. Yes, now obviously there are you know exceptions to that. Those that are uh, caught up in, in gang wars and and the drug trade and things like that. Yes, there are things out there that are trying to kill them. That is the. Exception, not the norm. Yeah, I mean, a Denny sign is an exception. Exactly. Poor lady. That, that is the freakest accident of freak accidents that I think I've ever heard of. I'm sorry, you're, you'll have to explain. Uh, yesterday, I believe it was, or maybe perhaps it was Thursday, uh, in E-Town, a Denny's sign fell off its post and landed on a car and killed a woman. Oh my God! Ouch! Can you imagine your car parked in the Denny's parking lot, and the Denny's sign falls on you? So it totally bizarre. Uh, totally bizarre. bizarre. Well, that, that's that, but that's not that different than being struck by lightning. You know, it's, it's it, it might time. be even more. You might have a better odds of being struck by lightning than that happening. <laughs> than that happening. Well, I mean, uh, yeah. Well, it, it it reminds us of. It should. Not, it reminds us of the randomness of being alive, but it should remind us more of the preciousness of being alive. Well, it, it, but I think what Martin is saying is that it's just proving that no matter what you do, where you go, it's not inherently safe. That's correct. There's always yeah, an yeah. element of risk. Yeah, that's exactly. Uh, yeah. Absolute safety is 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 a joke, and it's right. not. It doesn't exist. Well, and seeking it 
diminishes us is where I was going with that. Well, yeah. That, yes. that, that, in other words, you give... We are designed to work with both fight and flight. Yes. And if we surrender ourselves completely to flight, then we constantly find ourselves dying a little bit. Well, I think anytime you try and use here. The, the power of whatever the next level is, whether it be your school or the state or whatever, to drive whatever it is that is causing you discomfort from the arena of life. I think that's an evil act. Ultimately, yeah. Why can't you do it yourself? Well, it's not even so much, why can't you do it yourself? Because that implies a bit of a laziness. Um, But I, I consider an evil act because it is full of hubris. Uh, narcissism, in, yeah, in narcissism. Yeah, because definitely. you are saying that what you think and believe is so sacred that nothing can encroach upon that. Yeah. Simply by the act of you saying it and thinking it. Yes, yes, because even thinking something. Yeah, that's right. Because it's, it's it, well, you're, you're, you're anointing yourself as God, essentially. Essentially, and, yes. yeah. You're, you're taking and that's and then or at the very least, an archangel who is trying to do the will of God. Because a lot, a lot of people see who are into this sort of thing see themselves that way as doing the will of not necessarily God, but as being champions of what is right, and in doing so, they trample on others. And I don't care who you are, left, right, center, communist, socialist, uh, uh, capitalist, as soon as you start trampling on others, especially, and there's even a Washington quote that I saw there, that when you start trampling on free speech... That's right, yeah, I'll consider that, seriously. You're in serious danger. Yeah, that's correct. That's that's a very American idea. It's a reactionary against the British understanding. You know, you could be in prison for what you spoke. Yes. In England. And that's probably one of the roots. In of most the... countries, at some point in time, you could be in, in this country during World War One, mm-hmm. the Sedition Act, you could be jailed for certain things you said and did. So it's not unheard of even here. Yeah. Now, the even Sedition Act was. Highly unconstitutional. It's still. Yes, and, the, and, and, and. It still survived. Well, it survived for the duration, but ultimately for the, duration, yes, right. uh, the courts struck that down. That's correct. Sooner or later, we self-correct. We course-correct. Yes. Now, some, for some I people, it may be like too to late. Think, I don't think exactly. Uh, but, you there's know, a tragedy. Yeah, yes, yes. But as soon as you get into that where you are trying to get rid of that crucible, you know, it's that's war. Ah, yes. That's Getting good. rid of the crucible where, you know, you have to compete... Uh, with your mind, mm-hmm. uh, with producing something that is better yeah. within a certain boundary. Basically, once you once yeah. you once you work within a certain agreed upon arena, then it's good. Conflict is good and, ne- and necessary. In fact, yeah, otherwise necessary. nothing happens. Once you step outside the agreed upon arena, however, then you devolve into war. So in some well, it's, it's like Robert was saying there. You know, the, the my safety is so important that your way of life can't even be in my view anymore. Right. And then from that, it's not a far step to go, not only can it not be in my view, or I don't want you around, you must be destroyed. Yes. Off to the camps with you. Whether to be gassed and burned, or just indoctrinated. Yes. However you want to put it. Yes. Uh, You know, metaphorically, obviously, you know, nobody is setting up camps yet. Yet. But it's how it starts. 
when you allow that kind of thinking that that certain ideas are not even allowed. Oh yes. No matter how heinous they are. Well, it's a very because once you set the principle and the precedent that an idea or a viewpoint can be destroyed, or the person that holding it can be destroyed, you have opened the door so that anyone can be destroyed. Well, because well, it always advances. Because there's yes. always, well, yeah, well, you know, of course that view's wrong. So we, we, I don't care if that view's destroyed, but it always advances. Yes, there's always the next. Because then there's a new bottom that has, yeah. Because there's always the next outrage. The outrage du jour has to then be destroyed. I, I love Joe Straczynski's uh, take on this in Babylon Five. He spoke about, and the quote was, "We do not want cooperation. We want conversion." And that's ultimately yeah. where the that's that's to but the see that's the irony because in the yeah. real world, cooperation leads to conversion. Well, correct, exactly. I mean, it's uh, it, it's something you recognizing the fact that one is an authoritarian model that imposes, and the other is one that proposes and brings people together for a uh, under, not under coercion, but. Uh, a coalition it, of people. It's, it's growth. It's personal growth. It's, a, it's an right. organic growth. And, but the problem is, for those who have no patience, yeah. you have to find another way to ensure you get what you want. It's it's very... It's I don't want to say narcissistic, because that's not quite it. But it's, well, there's an element of there's that. An element not of the that same way is, we think of a, you know, monarchs going to war because they're honor once was slighted but it's it's still a bit of narcissism. essentially the same thing it's it's you know my way or the highway yes and yes. i'm not willing to mess with to to take the time to convince you yes. i will using war in some form coerce you right right because the crucible is painful you know it can be it certainly can well, it, be i think it well for it, somebody it's painful but i mean the struggle is always going to be painful otherwise it's not really a struggle that's kind but then of the again point. ultimately assuming assuming our trajectories are correct and that is not by no means safe uh, we can convert people to being better than they are yes well yes well hopefully people will convert themselves if, if they if they because if we have a moral compass and a moral center that recognizes mm-hmm. what is the difference between good and evil, uh, which has always been the issue. Yes. Then we should, in via the via the crucible, the vehicle of the crucible, make ourselves better. Some of it is evolutionary because that which is, uh, but that's more mechanistic and more of a efficiency system. Yeah. You know, the efficient yeah. fall away. The efficient, the the less efficient fall away. The more efficient. Uh, rise, uh, and that's it's a bit of a Darwinism. I don't want to go down that road because we're we. How, I mean, are we over time? We're like way over time. Well, right? we're at uh, ninety. Oh, oh wow. crap! Well, wow. wow. Captain, bring us home. Well, yeah, I I, I think we have uh, certainly uh, gone through our quotes as, as about as best as we can. I didn't, really didn't think we were at ninety. I thought we were closer to an hour. That really flew by. Because when we when we's on the game, boys, we are. Yes. Well, we have a few. You know, when we when we's hitting the nail on the head. Come on. Uh, so put the hammer in our you know, hands. Washington's got a lot of wisdom. Uh, you know, I know we only did three. Yeah. Oh, and a couple others that we kind of yeah. tossed yeah, in. Talked but. about. Yeah, because they're they're related. But yeah, it's there's a lot of wisdom there, uh, not just in what he did, but also in what he said. So, Francis. What's next? Well, you know, we're going to continue. This is not over, guys. We're going to continue with our 
understanding and exploration of not just Washington, because we kind of pummeled him a lot, but we're going to slide into In a loving way. In a loving way, that's right. (laughs) We're going to slide more into the revolution itself. We're going to talk, but you know, again, it's complicated, as Trevor Slattery would say. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk next episode with the seeds of the revolution. Yeah. We're going to we're going to run a, a several month series over the revolution, and I'll, I'll give Martin here a lot of credit for kind of defining how that breaks out. Because man, there's thousands of ways you could slice yeah. the Snickers, oh, yes. slice the Snickers bar. We're going to talk about the seeds and the bringings that comes this together. Uh, next next episode is, is going to be the seeds of the revolution and what brought us up to this. So it's kind of another beginning. Take a deep breath, take a drink of your bourbon, folks, and join us next episode. Hope you enjoyed another pointless discussion of eternal questions. Remember, new episodes drop every second and fourth Friday at 6 a.m. Eastern. Spread the word. We're on all the major podcast platforms. And leave us a review. That helps others find us. We're on Instagram, Twitter, as well as our website, snakesandotters.com. I'm Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. Join us next time.